This episode is sponsored by Major, Lindsay, and Africa, the global navigators of legal careers. For more than 30 years, Major, Lindsay, and Africa has helped match law firms and corporations with exceptional legal talent. To find out more, go to mlaglobal.com. This episode is also sponsored by Bloomberg Law, an all-in-one platform that provides fast access to the information law firms and legal departments need. To request a trial, go to bna.com slash Bloomberg Law. Welcome to Big Law Business. I'm Josh Block. And I'm Casey Sullivan. Big Law Business is a podcast and website about the business of law that focuses on the largest U.S. law firms. We're recording this episode on November 10th, and there is big news today in Lawland. The merger of Arnold and & Porter and Kay Scholler was announced. Casey, give us the broad strokes about this merger. It's the largest law firm merger of the year. On the one hand, you have Arnold and Porter, which is 70 years old. On the other hand, you have Kay Scholler, which is 100 years old. Kay Scholler is based in New York. Arnold and Porter, based in Washington, D.C. In terms of practice area, uh, Kay Scholler is, uh, focuses on corporate transactions, life sciences, bankruptcy, and intellectual property. Uh, Arnold and Porter, on the other hand, has practices in litigation, uh, regulatory advice, and uh, it also has a strong antitrust practice. What about prestige and how these two firms are perceived? So if you were looking at financial metrics, um, according to last year's American Lawyer, um, that's for the year of 2015, uh, Arnold and Porter ranked number uh, 53 on that list by gross revenue. Uh, so that means that it brought in $650 million. Um, Kay Scholler, on the other hand, uh, ranked 84 uh, with $370 million in revenue. And where would the combined firm be using those numbers? Um, it'll be a different uh, deck next year, but uh, as, uh, compared to those figures, um, that would place it at about 28 on um, the ranking of the largest U.S. law firms, which places it around uh, uh, King and Spaulding, Aiken Gump, uh, Paul Hastings, Quinn Emanuel. And what about the international presence of these firms? So they both have a, a London presence um, where they'll be uh, consolidating an office. They also have offices in Frankfurt and Shanghai. Kay Scholler has the larger New York office, right? And Arnold and Porter is bigger in DC. What else, what, how else is this gonna fit together? Arnold and Porter ha has uh, a larger office in Washington, DC. Um, Kay Scholler is larger in New York. Um, you know, one office that uh, they will both use is a Tallahassee office where uh, the, uh, the firm will staff uh, non-lawyer employees. Uh, that was one uh, point of discussion as the talks unfolded, uh, whether or not to keep that. Um, they ended up deciding to keep it. And so going forward, uh, they're going to be deciding, you know, who to uh, transition to that office. That includes HR, IT, um, non-lawyer staff. I will say I visited the New York office about a year and a half ago to do a video with um, Mike Solo, the the chair of Case Scholler. And, and they're nice. Their office was really nice. We have a video that actually sort of shows a lot of it. Tell me the name of the new firm. The name of the new firm is Arnold and Porter K. Scholler. So it tells you something about 
how the deal came together and you know who's in the driver's seat here and what will the new structure of the firm be? Who will the new chair be? How will how will things work? How will they piece it together? Uh, so Richard Alexander will be uh, the chair of the new firm. Uh, Michael Solo, who is the managing partner at K. Scholler, uh, will be a partner and a member of the policy committee and the uh, compensation committee. So they're giving him um, a leadership role, though he does not have the managing partner title. And on the financials, both firms sort of had a bit of a downward slope in with the most recent report, right? They, they actually both had um, losses in, in revenue and profits. Um, you know, Case Scholler, you know, it, they'd been experiencing departures over a number of years, so it wasn't just last year. Um, you know, they saw, just to name a few, uh, Tom Stromberg, an M&A partner in Los Angeles, joined Jenner and Block. Um, Dan Grunfeld, uh, the co-head of its uh, Los Angeles litigation department, joined Morgan Lewis and Bacchius. Alan Fish, an IP partner, set up his own shop. Um, Leora Benami, another prominent IP partner, joined Kirkland and Ellis. So, you know, you saw a lot of uh, shuffle there. And Kay Scholler had been speaking with a number of different firms over the years. You know, it was it, this isn't a hugely new thing. Um, they'd spoken with uh, Proskauer a long time ago. Um, they, they'd spoken with Cooley. Um, and so, you know, this wasn't entirely unexpected. And Kay Scholler, uh, Mike Solo, I know you talked to both chairs. Uh, Mike Solo had mentioned that he started the conversation with Arnold and Porter with even the previous chair. So as far as five years ago, they had been in some form of talks. Solo initially met up with Tom uh, Milch five years ago. Um, there weren't any formal discussions that they engaged in, but they were generally uh, familiar uh, with each other's business. At least that's what I was told. Um, it wasn't until this year that they really um, engaged and uh, Solo met uh, the new chair, uh, Richard Alexander, and uh, discussions took off from there. So we heard about this you know, six months ago. And so this isn't a real huge surprise, is it? No, it's, it's not a huge surprise. Um, you know, a number of the people that I've spoken with about this in the market have been sort of like, yeah, you know, we saw it coming for a while and, you know, the firms had been talking for so long that it made sense to, to continue there. There's not like a sense of, oh my God, this is like, <laughs> like a game-changing, huge um, merger. Like you had that sense when um, maybe Morgan Lewis uh, picked up all the, uh, most of the lawyers from from Bingham McCutcheon. But at the same time, I mean, merger activity for law firms real, this year has sort of been uh, disappointing for um, you know those in the in the news media, the legal press. There hasn't been a whole lot going on, and so in light of that downturn the, the deal's definitely pronounced and you know if i were to rank it over the past five years it would definitely be you know one of the most prominent um mergers um that have happened and and, and also makes it more significant because it's actually a true merger um you know we've been seeing a lot of these 
asset acquisitions happen, um, you know, where large firms will swoop in and poach the lawyers of another firm and there won't be really like a formal uh, combination. If you had to place it in, you know, one of the top of the mergers that have happened in the last four or five years, where does this where does this fit in? I mean, it's definitely up there. Um, you know, I think others that would be of the same level or if not greater significance um, would be, you know, Squire Patton Boggs, Squire Sanders picking up Patton Boggs, the uh, prominent DC uh, lobbying powerhouse. Um, we also saw, like I said, Morgan Lewis uh, hiring, I think it may have been all of the lawyers at, at Bingham McCutcheon. Um, we also saw Denton's, uh, Denton's last year, was that last year or was that this year? Last year. Yeah, last, last year. year. That, that's right. Well, Denton's announced uh, their combination with Da Chang, um, which made firm leaders rethink what they were doing in China. Um, so this, I mean, this particular deal is you know, huge on the, on the East coast is a big East coast play. They have a few offices in California. Um, like I said, they're in London as well. So why now and why, you know, that's going to take place in the new year that firms will officially combine, right? Is it that downward trajectory of, of both financials or what is the story about the, the, the right now of this or the necessity of it for them? It's a great question. And, you know, they, they didn't tell me what was the event that initiated uh, discussions or, you know, uh, but we did talk about this trend of uh, in-house counsel at large corporations um, putting forward plans to reduce the number of outside counsel that they use. And, you know, Novartis and Pfizer are both um, top clients. Uh, Pfizer's definitely been a company that we've seen go that route in terms of reducing the size of their, their outside um, council roster. And, you know, they acknowledge that that was a factor. So you're seeing um, as clients tighten up their, their legal budget, um, you know, the, a merger makes sense for firms that are trying to get bigger and get everything under, under one roof and then offer a discount based on the different services that you offer, um, within that one firm. So here, uh, what, what Solo told me was that, you know, the, that Kay Scholler really is strong in, um, you know, life science transactions, um, you know, uh, Arnold and Porter provides more of a regulatory component to that. So they are both, um, in these two areas and they feel like they can cross those services and, and gain more market share out of that. And how are the clients receiving this news? Uh, so we received a press statement from a top lawyer at Novartis, um, which uh, praised uh, the new combination, which is good news for both firms. Um, you know, I, you don't typically see that sort of a thing in these, these firm merger announcements. You know, I think I remember seeing it um, when John Houston left Irel and Manila and, and, and he came out with a press statement with like multiple GCs um, 
you know, talking about why this uh, merger makes sense and, and is a great thing. Um, so definitely is a good thing that expresses uh, confidence among the clients um, that they'll continue to get that work in the future. So we've heard from Novartis. And uh, I guess we'll see with the others. How did the story break? Um, so it broke yesterday, and uh, it was the New York Law Journal and us. We we had a, an early report on talks heating up, um, with one source telling both of us that uh, we should expect an announcement about a combination today, and. Um, so that went up last night, and then uh, today the announcement came, and uh, Sarah Rendazzo at the Wall Street Journal got to um, give credit. Uh, got an interview with uh, Mike Solo uh, to break the formal announcement of the uh, merger. That prestige question, I think uh, David Ladd in Above the Law had an interesting point, or he had a, a source, I think, at Arnold and Porter, who talked about some hesitancy from the New York lawyers of Arnold and Porter um, feeling like they were merging with a lesser firm. Do you have any thoughts on the prestige, this prestige question that seems so important to firms? Yeah, it's, it's really important to lawyers. Um, you know, there there's huge egos at play in these mergers. And it's not just financials, although financials is a big part of it. It's, you know, who's getting paid what, who's getting what kind of a leadership position. And, you know, it can often um, help if like one firm is hurting and, and needs to do um, a merger. I, I guess I, I wasn't surprised to see that. Um, you know, it, it takes place in probably every, every major combination like there's you know you, you kind of size each other up and and you know think about how how you want to be perceived in the market um but you know if you were to combine with this other firm and there's a lot of you know among lawyers there's a lot of uh thumbing up of the nose <laughs> uh it's a clubby world right and this this culture question you know how these firms will get together how they'll interact with one another whether or not they'll be able to be friends, I guess, is sort of a, a big... It's, it, yeah, it, it's really simple, but it's often like the most important piece to these combinations. Like there's nothing like hugely complicated. Um, you know, it's like how people feel about working with each other and, you know, whether or not, you know, one practice area can give work to another or will uh, give work to, <laughs> to another. And um, so, so Solo um, and, and Alexander uh, told me that going forward, to get the deal done, you know, they really need to integrate now and um, set up meetings with, with these lawyers. And they uh, pointed out the social element of um, the merger, which I thought was interesting. It's at least worth noting that this merger comes two days after the election and how the firms see business with a Donald, with a president-elect Donald Trump taking office. You know, where did you talk to them about that? I asked them the question, but it didn't really seem to be like a huge factor on their radar, at least from what they gave me, um, which is kind of surprising because it was, you know, this huge presidential election result happened two days ago. And, that, you know, it's kind of a, an interesting time to announce a law firm merger um, on the heels of that. Um, but basically what they told me was that, you know, 
any uncertainty creates new work. And so that should be a good thing for for law firms. So also worth noting is one of the founders of Arnold and Porter was Abe Fortas, who was on the Supreme Court. Merrick Garland had been a partner at Arnold and Porter. Uh, He was obviously the nominee of President Obama, who it looks like, I think it's safe to say, will not be Donald Trump's selection. And since there was no Senate vote on him, will not be joining the Supreme Court. Also with Kay Scholler, they had also been in the news. Evan Griebel was the attorney for Martin Shkreli. I believe he joined Kay Scholler after the representation. But you know, talk about Evan Griebel and Mar- and or Merrick Garland, their their roles at those firms. Evan Griebel was a partner at Kay Scholler. He was charged with wire fraud in connection with the uh, Martin Shkreli case. Uh, that's still ongoing, and he's maintained his innocence. Um, he's a- he's also no longer with the firm. He resigned in March. Um, but I do remember when that was first reported that Kay Scholler, um, you know, came out with a statement saying something along the lines of that they were cooperating with authorities and looking into sort of what happened. But he was at Catton Muchin when he first took on that representation. The year's not done. Do we expect more mergers before the end of the year? Um, do we expect more into the new year? What is the sort of landscape as far as law firm mergers? I spoke with Brad Hildebrandt, a law firm consultant who regularly advises on these deals. Um, you know, he acknowledged that there's definitely been a slowdown this year in uh, law firm M&A activity, uh, but he does expect things to pick up in uh, early 2017. That's all for this episode. For more on the business of law, check out biglawbusiness.com. While you're there, sign up for our daily newsletter. You can also download our mobile app from the iTunes app store. If you'd like to write to us, Our email address is biglawbusiness at bna.com. Follow Big Law Business on Twitter at biglawbiz. Follow Casey on Twitter at Casey underscore biglaw. Follow me on Twitter at joshblocknyc. Thank you for listening. We'll be back in a few weeks with another episode. Subscribe on iTunes so that you don't miss it. 